Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This morning about daylight, I was in the building here and praying and asking the Lord to touch our service today and what we're going to do not only in this part of our service, but in our children's ministry. And I just felt such a peace and a powerful presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that you're here to help us stir the pot and to help us join and blend our voices together. But I believe that God has ordained this day and he has blessed us to be here and we're just honored to be in his presence and in his service today. Amen. It's good to see Danny and Tabitha and Tobin with us this morning. God bless them, and, and I'm glad to have them in service with us. I apologize for how I sound. I feel better than I sound. That's probably due to the part of, uh, in part, to uh, uh, my ability to just press on regardless of sickness and disease. <laughs> My high pain tolerance that my wife will affirm all of those things. <laughs> Glad to be in church, though, and uh, nothing to be afraid of here, just some allergies. But uh, I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord. We apologize for our service Wednesday night. We just had to make a call and a decision at the last moment. Um, but we just pray that the Lord help us to continue to press forward. I'm thankful for the good news of God and and I appreciated the message of Brother Doug Smith on Wednesday night. Amen. Uh, we know that in all of our lives, we have decisions to make. We have stories. All of our lives have a story and are a story. And it's imperative how our story ends. And I appreciated the message on Wednesday night. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to join me in the book of Daniel, chapter 1 and verse number 8. And uh, I'm going to read for uh, a scripture that for many people will be a familiar place, but uh, the Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Brother Herndon opened our service this morning with focused prayer, centering our hearts and our thoughts around the very subject that we're going to be discussing today. We live in a hostile world, really and truly. And uh, we have been preserved from much of this being in the nation of America, but we're seeing this on our shores and in our streets, in our cities today. We can all say that we are living in a time, in a season, and in a world where, or a season at least, where the world at large is more hostile toward our faith in Jesus Christ than ever before, at least in recent history. We can't, sitting here, remember a time or a season 
that parallels where we are today. There's a prevalent spirit of disdain for people of faith or for the spirit of righteousness in any measure or in any form. The Bible says that if there would be a day where people would call good evil and evil good. My goodness, we are downtown, right here downtown, where this is not just in the streets of our cities. It is not just um, it, it is is not just something we can read about, but this is actually something that is infiltrating the very government and the governments that that the laws that govern us today. It is a very serious time. Now, I didn't come here to paint your world gray. I promise you that because the church has always survived. The church is the church. When Daniel and his three Hebrew friends arrived in Babylon, there was a plan for them. This was not an arbitrary capture. There was a defined plan. The plan for them was to go through the educational program and the dietary program of Babylon. This program was intentional because it would position them to be able to serve in the king's palace. In the last... Uh, in the last, in the la this season of education, or this season of training, rather, would last for three years. And in that three-year period, they would learn the language of the Chaldeans. They would learn to eat the same food of the king and to drink the same wine of the king. At face value, that seems innocent. What could it possibly hurt? Some would say, when in Rome, do as the Romans. However, to follow the diet, Daniel and his, and his uh, companions understood that this would violate the very law of God, the law of Moses. And under these circumstances, Daniel stood, and in standing, he provided, I believe, daring leadership in the face of true adversity. He began to influence positively those that were following him. He purposed that he would not follow that prescribed diet. Now, we would think, at face value, that this would just mean sure death for them or at least imprisonment, punishment, things of that nature, but it was quite the opposite. As a result of their tenacity, all four of these men were elevated to positions of honor and authority in the Babylonian government. I believe that God can give us favor, divine favor, in the face of tremendous obstacles. I believe in what Brother Herndon spoke about this morning, that the Spirit of God can go before us. It's not us. It's not, uh, it's not just our personality or our shrewdness. It's the Spirit of God working in us that can go before us and soften hard hearts. He said in Isaiah 45 I, to Cyrus, he said, I'll hold your right hand and I'll go with you and I'll make crooked places straight and I will tear down gates of brass and I will tear down gates of iron Brass and iron is two different metals altogether. Brass is somewhat malleable, and, and, you, and you can bend brass a little bit easier, but sometimes iron is going to be a different situation. But the Lord said to Cyrus, I'll go before you, and I'll take out obstacles that are just easy to move, but I'll take out obstacles that seem impossible to move. I'm thankful for the power of God that said, I'll go with you and I'll stand with you in these circumstances. And so they were elevated to a place of authority and a place of influence. And I believe that God has the church in, on this earth in this hour for a reason. If he was ready for us, we would be gone. 
If our purpose here was served and we were done, the church would be gone. But I believe God has the church on this earth for a reason. So that, that begs a question. I believe a question that deserves an equitable answer. And that is how can God's people resist the pressures that squeeze us into conformity in the world in which we live? According to the book of Romans chapter 12, the scripture talks about conformers those that are controlled by the pressures that are without. But this same passage of scripture also speaks about transformers and those that are transformers are those that are influenced and motivated from the power that is within. All of us have a, have a decision to make almost on a daily basis as to whether or not we're gonna be conformers or transformers. We're gonna be affected by the world in which we live or we're going to affect the world in which we live. Daniel and his friends, of course, according to scripture, were transformers. Instead of being changed, they're the ones that did the changing. God used them to, trans to transform the minds and the hearts of powerful rulers and bring great glory to his name. And he did all of this in a pagan land. And so I think we should parallel that against the day in which we live. We're not here to be conformed to this world, but we're here to transform this world, to, to prove, to stand, to realize that we can make a difference in the day and age in which we live. I believe the first step in solving their problem and being transformers was the fact that they had given themselves completely to the Lord. Daniel's heart belonged to God. Every thought was on the things of God. And I believe that was the same with those that he influenced. Perhaps Solomon said it best in his writings of Proverbs 4 and 23. Solomon here penned these words, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And so I gotta make sure every day that my heart is right with God. If I am gonna be influential in the world in which we live, I've gotta make sure that my heart is right with God. I've gotta keep my heart. I can't let anything in my heart that shouldn't be there. Amen. Our heart, much like our home, should be a refuge. It should be a place that we wanna keep everything out that doesn't belong there. Any kind of intruder, whether that intruder is a masked robber or that intruder is a rodent, we wanna keep it out with the same tenacity. It doesn't belong here, and so I've gotta make sure that my heart is pure and clean and it stays that way. I believe if we were sitting in our dining table and we were enjoying a meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and we saw a mouse go across the, uh, the counter, I don't think we would think to ourselves, you know, we need to see about that. In our home, it would be pandemonium. <laughs> it almost be a for sale sign. You gotta do something about those things. Our heart should be the same way. When there's something that doesn't belong there, great or large, great or small rather, we need to do something about that right then. I don't wanna let the sun go down. I don't wanna let any days simmer or anything marinate in my heart that shouldn't be there. So Solomon said, keep your heart with all diligence. A heart that loves the Lord, a heart that trusts the Lord is gonna be a heart that obeys the Lord and has no difficulty in making right decisions and trusting God to take care of the consequences. We're all faced with decisions 
many times on a daily basis, multiple times a day. Decisions of right, decisions of wrong. But when our heart is right with God and our mind is where it should be, it's really not a decision. If it's right and wrong, we're just going to do what's right. The Bible talks about swearing to our own hurt. You ever had to swear to your own hurt? When the police officer says, do you know how fast you were going? You ever had to swear to your own hurt and say, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Understanding that, that my confession here may cost me. My confession, my honesty, it may come with a price, but I need to swear to my own hurt. And so a heart that loves the Lord, trusts the Lord, obeys the Lord is going to fall on the right. It has no difficulty making right choices and, and trusting God. I have to trust God with the outcome. I have to put that in his hands. It's, it's been well said that faith is obeying despite the consequences. I have to trust in the name of the Lord. And so when they had to choose between God's word and the, foods of the food of the king, they chose the word of God. The second thing that we find unfolding in this story is that they were gracious to those who were in authority. Now they were the captives. They were in a foreign land. They were being asked to do things that violated their conscience and violated their, their, their religious convictions, the word of God. But we need to understand how they approached this situation. They were gracious to those who had authority over them. There was a man by the name of Ash Pinaz. They noticed that this man was kind to them, even though they were the captive and he was the authority. They noticed that he was kind to them. They also recognized that this kindness was the favor of God. They understood that this has not, there's nothing less than the hand of God that is moving in the heart of this man. That's not the first time, according to Genesis uh, chapters 39 and 40, we meet a man by the name of Joseph that had that same divine favor upon his life even when he was the prisoner, when he was held captive against his will. God had blessed him with favor and again, the words of Solomon are fitting. Proverbs 16 and 7. The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, God has a way of touching the heart and the mind of our very enemy so that there is peace, there is peace. So instead of expecting a pagan Gentile officer to somehow have some respect or reverence or even obedience to the law of Moses and then consequently he would just get himself in trouble with the king, Daniel and his friends had a much more wise approach. And they asked, if you'll just give us 10 days, we want to prove something. We want to try something. And so throughout the scripture, you're going to find courageous people who had to defy authority in order to obey God. There was a decision that had to, that had to be made. We're going to have to stand against this. We're going to have to defy authority, so to speak, to, in order to obey God. But in every case, we can find this constant thread that they took a wise and a gentle approach. Amen. The book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, Paul said to the church at Rome, if it be possible, 
as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That doesn't mean that we should be a doormat or that we should be walked over or taken advantage of, but Paul said if it's possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Along with Daniel and his friends, we have examples of the Hebrew midwives in Exodus 1 where God just gave them divine favor. We see this divine favor again on the, in, in the lives of the apostles in Acts 4. And also in 2 Peter 2, we see that, uh, that authority and favor again in the life and ministry of Jesus himself. All of them had to resist, all of them had to resist the law in order to obey the greater law, the law of the Lord. However, God gave them success. Nevertheless, they were courteous. They had a meek and a quiet spirit. You don't need to misunderstand meekness for weakness. They had a meek and quiet spirit. They saw the challenge as an opportunity to prove their God and to glorify his name. And so they laid down the gauntlet. What we don't see is them threatening anyone, we don't see them staging a protest. We don't see them burning any buildings down, but they just stood with a godly reverence, but they also stood with a godly backbone. They simply acted like the men of God they were called to be. They asked Melzar to test them for 10 days. They said, we're just gonna have you feed us only water and vegetables. Unconsciously, directed by the Lord, here's that divine favor Melzar was willing to, to accept this suggestion and God took care of the rest. They didn't draw a proverbial line in the sand. They didn't put on their boxing gloves and say, meet me at the corner of such and such. They just said, here is a proposition. We're gonna put this in the hand of God. You just feed us water and vegetables for 10 days and at 10 days, at the end of 10 days, we'll reassess this. In the end, according to the scripture, they were all healthier in their bodies and better looking than anybody else in the crowd. I believe that's a vivid illustration of the promises of God in Matthew 6 and 33. Because it's here the Lord said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these other things will be added to you. There's something powerful that happens when we make righteous choices even in an unrighteous setting. When we say, God, I'm gonna stand on what's right and to stand on the principles of your word. God said, if you'll just seek my kingdom first, if you'll put me first, I'll take care of the rest of this. The, this also a picture, I think, of a principle that's, that's clearly outlined in Colossians. The Bible says that we should walk in wisdom toward them that are without. We should walk in wisdom toward them that are without. I think we have to be careful of what people's perception of the church is. I really do. Back a year ago this time, we were making decisions to not have in-person services because we felt in part an obligation to the community around us. It matters what people think about us, whether we're being wise or whether we're being foolish, amen. And so in 1 Peter 3 and 15, the Bible says that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks the reason of the hope that lies within us. There is something in our heart that should be on the top shelf when somebody asks 
for the reason of hope that is in your life. What's different about you? And then you, many people I'm sure have been asked that question or posed that question in some form or fashion. We need to be able to give an answer to the hope that lies within us. I believe when it comes to solving problems in our life that we should ask God for courage to face the situations at hand with a spirit of humility, but yet with a spirit of honesty. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart that we need to be humble. I believe that we can be courageously humble. We need to be humble, but we can be honest. I believe that we need to have ask God for the wisdom to understand the circumstances for what it is. Ask God to give us the strength to do whatever it is he directs us to do and the faith to trust him to do the rest. And God will. If we'll conduct ourselves in a godly fashion, if we'll live our lives in a way that God can bless us, he will. He will. But we're obligated to live our lives in a way that God can bless us. Our motive must be to glorify God, not to just try to find a way of escape. Now, I don't want to charge anybody here today that may not be guilty of this, but all too often when circumstances of life fall in on us, the first response is, how can I get out of this? Well, I need this fixed now. And so sometimes we're so busy asking, how can I get out of this until we fail to ask, what can I get out of this? Because I believe that God takes us down certain paths to teach us something, to show us something, to reveal, to make bare his arm, if you please, to make, to make bare his promises. But we would never know if we had not made this journey. If we were never sick, we would not know that God is a healer. If we never needed to be delivered from something, we wouldn't know that he is a deliverer. Amen. If we, if, we had, if we were not wayward in our steps, we would not know that God can pull us back into the fold. The list could go on and on and on. There are some things today in this congregation represented here today that we could stand and say, I know. I know this because I have been there and the Lord did heal. He did deliver. The Lord did comfort. The Lord did bring peace in a situation where peace seemed to be so far away. The Lord took Daniel and these men down the journey, down the path of what we may call a private test because God knew that there was a public test that was coming. I believe when David stood before Samuel, stood before Saul and, 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 and Goliath and all of his brothers and that army, when David was asked, what makes you think you can do this? David said there was a lion and there was a bear. Now we don't read about that anywhere else in scripture. We don't read about that the day that it happened. There is not, a, there is not an entry in David's journal that we have access to at least that chronicles that of those events or those days. But I believe that God let something happen in a private season of David's life because God knew there's a public season that's coming to your life. And so we say, how do we know that we can stand some public thing? It's because God has had us on the backside of the mountain and he has been testing our faith. 
He's been trying the fabric and the fiber of our heart and our soul to see what we are made of. And because we prevailed in those things, God said, now I can put you on a public stage and I can test you and try you and I know that you will stand and you know that you can stand because we've made this journey together. Amen. I believe I'm speaking to people that have experienced both those private testings and public testings where your faith was put on display at least for a season. And so the best thing about this experience for Daniel and those under his influence was not that they were delivered from compromise. That was really not the greatest thing about this. But the greatest thing about this is that there was something developed in their character, something in their heart, something about their stand became a little bit more sure and firm. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we say we don't feel at home in this world. We shouldn't really feel at home in this world. Like believers who have gone before us, Hebrews 11 says they were of them, they were pilgrims and strangers and we should be pilgrims and strangers. To be honest with you, I don't wanna get everything that's going on in the world around me. I don't wanna understand every little nuance of life around me because this is not where I plan on staying. This is not the end game for me. I believe like Abraham, we should be looking for a city whose foundations and whose built that has foundations and whose builder and maker is God. That our focus should not be here necessarily or the sum total of here, but we are looking beyond here. Although we believe that heaven is our ultimate home, we also understand, metaphorically speaking at least, that today we are living in Babylon. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I know that we're going to heaven. My hope is in that. My trust, my true confidence is in that. But I also understand that for today, we are living in Babylon. So we have to ask ourselves, how can we be people of faith even when we are dwelling in a pagan land? I believe that we can because the new Jerusalem is, is anticipated by the church, the bride of Christ. I believe that we can. Much of biblical history is the story of, of people that are living by faith in a faithless hour. Noah was one of only eight people among the entire population of the earth that would have been considered people of faith. Think about that. Abraham lived among pagans, but he did so with grace. And he did so in such a manner that God blessed him and the generations to follow him. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches, he said, than all the treasures of Egypt. And so he learned how to stand righteously in an unrighteous hour or even in an unrighteous setting. The biblical evidence shows that people of faith can transform the society around them. Joseph was elevated. Moses was elevated. Amen, again and again. Daniel made his mark in Babylon. He lived out his faith in such a remarkable way that the king Nebuchadnezzar confessed the preeminence of not just Daniel, but he confessed the preeminence of Daniel's God. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshiped Daniel. That's what the scripture says. But he didn't just worship him alone, but he commanded that all the people should give oblations and give burn sweet incense unto, unto Daniel's God. The king answered, I wanna read this in Daniel 2 and 46. The Bible says, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face 
and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation of sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldest reveal this secret. Now this is what his enemy said. <coughs> because he was living righteous in an unrighteous world. He said, I see something. Your God is the God of gods and your Lord is the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. And then in verse 48, the Bible says, then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him the ruler over the whole providence of Babylon and the chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. I believe it pays to make righteous choices. God, I believe, can place us in positions we may feel so woefully uncomfortable. Things may be going on around you on your job that you think, Lord, I need to get out of here and I need to find another place. But before you turn and run, you might want to consider that God may have light in a dark place for a reason. God may have you planted there in that uncomfortable season. For an, It may be an uncomfortable season, but God may be trying to work something out in the heart of someone else and so despite the challenges to his faith despite being betrayed and despite even ultimately a, a den of lions Daniel had a profound influence in Babylon as a matter of fact such a profound influence that King Darius commanded all his kingdom to worship the God of Daniel I believe today while some would cry Lord take us out of this mess while some would cry Lord just call us home and don't let us be a part of everything that's going on I want you to know I believe that God strategically has the church planted where it is for a purpose and I believe that there can be unrighteous people that have their eyes fixed on you Amen. I don't want to just say the church because that sounds like a foreign entity. Again, Brother Herndon mentioned that this morning about influencing the world and we can easily get we can easily get overwhelmed by terminology like that. But he brought it down to low hanging fruit for us this morning. He's not asking us to win the world. He's asking us to influence our world. And I believe there are men and women that have their eyes fixed on you and me today. And that's why I gotta stand. Amen. That's why my neighbors need to see me coming to church on Wednesday. They need to see me coming to church on Sunday. They need to know what my plans are going to be. People need to drive by in this community and recognize the parking lot is full. Amen. The house of worship is up and running. The people of God, the saints of God, their hands are in the air and not in their pockets. Their faith is not on a shelf, but their faith is in action. We need to know the power of righteous choices in an unrighteous world. To be sure, Daniel was not alone in such stands. We can find in scripture a lady by the name of Esther. She made her mark in Persia in the face of Haman's plot to destroy all of the Jews. God was ahead of the curve and he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rush ahead of this and I'm gonna place Esther and I'm gonna give her favor among all the young maidens. It's an incredible story. You ought to stop what you're doing, and not now, you ought to stop what you're doing this afternoon. 
and, and read this story again, an incredible, an incredible story of God giving this young maiden favor. She was among so many. The choices were so many, but God said, not really, because I've got her planted there. God said, not really, because I've got one that's already chosen, and I'm gonna elevate her, and she's gonna sit on the throne beside the king, but I'm not elevating her so that she can enjoy all the attention. I'm not elevating her so that she can wear a crown and have all the trappings that come with being the queen. Hallelujah. But I'm gonna elevate her for such a time as this because there's a man, a ruthless man by the name of Haman and he's gonna build gallows and he's gonna try to destroy my people but I'm gonna put such favor in her life. I'm gonna put such favor in her voice. I'm gonna put such favor in her heart that not only is the king gonna listen to her but Haman is gonna be hanged on the very gallows he built for others. Are you hearing me today? Hallelujah. It pays to make righteous choices even in an unrighteous time. Praise God. Praise God. You see, when God's will is for us to be in Babylon, we shouldn't struggle against that. Oh, I know we would rather be somewhere else and enjoying another season of our life, but we need to live out our faith wherever we find ourselves. You may find yourself in the hospital room. I believe we ought to live out our faith from the vantage point of that hospital bed. You don't ever know when God is going to do a work. You have no idea what God is going to do in that situation. I'm not suggesting that God is the author of every situation, but Romans 8 and 28 says he can work all things to our good. Several months ago, one of our pastors in the state of Florida was having some heart issues, a young man, 46 years old, having some very serious heart issues, was hospitalized. And uh, in that hospital room that afternoon, a nurse came in to check on him. And while she was standing there, something, a blood clot released in his heart and um, something that is referred to as a widow maker, you may be familiar with that term, and they were able, because she had come into his room at that exact moment, they were able to get this scene about, and he survived. He survived that incident. She couldn't believe all the things that had happened before her eyes. And so later on, he was in recovery and then back to his room, and she came into his room, and she said, I just need to know something about you. And he was able to witness to her from the vantage point of that hospital room. Now, I don't think that would have happened if he had been cussing and throwing pots and pans. I'm just out on a limb here. But I believe something about maintaining righteousness in an unrighteous situation. Amen. We can find something developing the character and touching the hearts of people around us. I believe that first century Christians were believers living in Babylon and, and although he used Babylon as a, as a euphemism, Peter wrote about it. In, in 1 Peter 5 and 13, he said, the church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. And so what Peter was saying, he, he wasn't really the church literally in Babylon, but he was just reflecting that. We could say today the same thing. If we were gonna wax eloquent today and write a letter, I could begin a letter by saying the church that is at Babylon saluteth you because we are living 
in an hour of Babylon. I mean, we are living in an hour where people are giving themselves to false gods and hedonism and the, and the pursuit of pleasures. That's the world in which we live today. That parallels their world, but it's the world in which we live today. It's the truth. Yet our spiritual ancestors were able to live out their faith in such a way, in such a powerful way that the scripture says of them in Hebrews 11 that they turned their world upside down. Wow. Not complaining and griping. They didn't do this by withdrawing from the world or shunning unbelievers, protesting against civil government. Amen. They did this because they stood righteously. Now, I will bring this to a close, but I believe a, a brief sampling of New Testament texts show us how our spiritual ancestors and, and, and those people that we should and could emulate today not only kept their faith, but they transformed the world. They learned how to honor those in civil government even when they didn't agree with them. They learned how to pray for those in civil government. Those were even prayers of thanksgiving. They prayed that civil rulers would be saved and come to the saving knowledge of the truth in 2 Timothy 2. That's how they prayed. They learned to submit to human government in such a way as not to deflect the criticism of the enemies of Christianity. They just kept standing. And so I believe today what we should do is just keep being the church. Amen. We're gonna continue to stand. And so if our ancestors could live out their faith in an unbelieving world, then I believe that we can as well. And I will conclude with these remarks. I believe that we can pray and that is the most powerful tool that the church has at its disposal because prayer is so much more powerful than protest. Prayer is so much more powerful than petitions. Prayer changes things. That's not just a bumper sticker. That's not just a saying. Prayer changes things. Our world has been changed by the power of prayer. Complaining doesn't change things. We've never complained anything that was wrong into being right. I believe that we can participate. I believe that we're privileged to live in a democracy. And so it's our responsibility to participate in that. And so I've said for many, many years, if you don't vote, don't complain. No matter if you feel like your vote counts or not, I'm gonna be at the polls. I'm gonna cast my vote. I want my voice to be heard. Amen. God may even call some in the church and has called many in the church to serve in some aspect of civil government. And if, and if the Lord calls us to do that, we should do it with excellence. Excellence. We should bring our Christian values and our Christian character with us to the public square. We don't need to just live it out in private but I believe we can live it out in public. I've had the privilege, I want you to stand if you will. I've had the privilege to meet many people that have served in civil government that are born again believers, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. They stand. They stand in the face of a lot of opposition, obviously, but they stand. I'm honored, I'm honored to know such people that just continue to do right even when the world around them votes to do wrong. And the church should be no different. God will give us the favor that we need. He'll give us the divine influence that we need and develop something within us beyond our wildest imagination. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I ask you to seal this word in our heart and help us to be what you've called us to be. 
irrespective of the thoughts, philosophies, and ideas of our world. I pray, God, that we will baptize our mind and our heart in the principles of your word and stand upon those principles with every fiber of our being. I praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.